0: Sox on 35th is next. Doors open on the left. How's it going, everybody? My name is Duke Coughlin, and welcome to the Sox on 35th podcast. We are back with another exciting episode covering your Chicago White Sox. As always, I'm joined by our panelists, Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower. Gentlemen, how are we doing?
1: I mean, we're not doing great, honestly, <laughs> based on how <laughs> the team is doing. I think that when I first found out from my work that I was going to be going on two trips, like the middle and last weeks of April back-to-back, I was thinking like, damn, I'm going to miss on all the early White Sox games. Those are going to be some great games. I wish I could watch them live. And now I'm thinking this was actually great timing because I did watch some of them, but obviously, I mean, who who would want to watch every, every inning of whatever that was this past week? So... Yeah, not doing great, but it is what it is.
2: So last year when Angle dropped that pop-up and foul play and then the Orioles walked it off right after that, I was on a baseball trip. And I wasn't I, I was in South Carolina, so I wasn't supposed to be watching baseball. And they were on ESPN or whatever, I found it, turned it on, watched that. I'm like, I just gotta get away from this team for a little bit. Um, but I'm doing fine. I I do want to start by asking if, uh, Duke is, or Mr. I roll Duke is willing to apologize for my, uh, or for a few weeks ago when I merely suggested Louise Roberts shouldn't hit two. Uh, if if you're willing to apologize for that, I roll yet. Um, Um, I at least want to start there.
0: There is a 0% shot. I'm going to apologize for that. Mainly because you, you can't hold me accountable for random people on Twitter. Like that's that's just not fair. I was not the one throwing digs and asking who, who the guy with the long hair was on the you know, who is this guy? You know, I muted him a long time ago. I wasn't saying that stuff. I was being nice. I gave a subtle eye roll and maybe I was agreeing with you with that eye roll. I don't subtle.
2: know. Mm, subtle. Mm. Subtle eye roll. Really? Is that what you call that?
0: Yeah, well, you know, our, our editing team really uh really didn't help us on that one, but no, I'm not apologizing for anything. You know, I'm I, I'm still very comfortable with Luis Robert, and I still feel like uh, his speed was shown on display once he gets on the base pass in the game today or yesterday, whenever you were potentially listening to this, the last game against the Rays. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I'm doing great. Not really, because, you know, I convinced myself before we jumped into the Philly series that it's like, you know what, this is a great test. You know, we've we've choked away these series. You know, we haven't won one yet, but, you know, we've looked good in a lot of these games. You know, I keep going back to the freaking Astro series because I'm an idiot. Um, and I'm like, you know what, the Phillies have played a lot of playoff baseball. The Rays have played a lot of ba- playoff baseball. They're the hottest team in baseball right now. Like, man, if we can just knock out a couple wins against these guys, like, we are all the way back. And I should have known better. I'm just... I should have known better. I let my fan get in the uh, way of me, and uh, that's my fault. But anyway, we have quite a bit to cover in this episode, so let's just keep it rolling. Um, We have senior contributor Tim Moran joining us later on. But before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you might get your podcast. Also, be sure to check out the website at sockson 35th as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at sockson 35th so, just jumping right in, I mean, I just I kind of kicked it off a little bit with uh, my thoughts on the Phillies and the Rays. Um, Nick, I'll let you go ahead and jump right into this. Uh, what are your thoughts on the past week of White Sox baseball? I mean,
1: they're pretty bad. <laughs> the, the thoughts, I mean, and the team, frankly. I mean, here when you're when you're seven and fifteen, it's hard to be optimistic about anything. I do think even the least optimistic person should be able to admit that. This White Sox team, while well, maybe not the playoff team that we hoped, although it's too early to say that for sure, they're definitely not a uh, Washington Nationals, Oakland A's level worst team in baseball either. Like I don't think they're going to finish the season with 100 losses or whatever they're on pace for now. Frankly, I think it's a lot more. So it is just kind of the annoying thing where you just have to wait a little bit. Things will even out. Uh, there's positive regression coming for a lot of guys. The schedule gets easier, etc. But at the same time, you can't, just let, you can't just ignore what's happening before our eyes and These games are very frustrating because to me, it's not one constant problem. Like, yes, there are recurring themes that I'm sure we'll talk about, but it's not like, oh, every single game, the starting pitching can't make it out of the third inning or every single game they score one or two runs. Like, yeah, those problems happen from time to time, but it's always a mix of of different things. Like, for example, earlier in the season, it was that the bullpen was always just absolute garbage. And lately the bullpen, I don't know if I'd say it's been great, but it's definitely been a lot better and it's no longer the primary reason that these games are being lost, so It's just the kind of thing where nothing can ever be clicking at the same time, which is very frustrating, of course, and it's not the way that we wanted the Pedro full era to start. Although, honestly, if they're going to be a bad team, I'd rather they let us know sooner than later, because last year was quite annoying just waiting for that run to come, which never came.
2: I think uh, along the fact that they really haven't lost any game the same way, it's the bullpen this way, the rotation that way, kind of what you said, Nick. It's that this entire week felt like winnable games for the most part. They got one against Philly. They they felt like winnable games. And, and you know when you get to the Rays series and you lose the last game four to one, and the Rays just carved you up top to bottom is what it is. You're gonna you're gonna have one of those games in a series like th- that. Th- the least surprising to me is that the Rays came out one day, hit a bunch of bombs, and carved our dudes up. Like that is the least surprising thing to me. The problem is that they lost the two games that were winnable before that. You can't drop those two games when you're given the chance because inevitably the Rays are going to do what the Rays do. They're an 18, 19, and 3 team for a reason. Like, this happens because they play consistently good baseball. So when you have that chance, you need to capitalize. They did not do that in this series. And that's the most frustrating part is that they're in the games, they're in these series... And they're just not winning them. It's it's like you, you still have that false optimism maybe because of it. it. It's like it keeps you tuning in. It keeps you interested. But it's like now all the micro the the, the small decisions that Pedro Rafal has to make from the lineup to the bullpen decisions, all of that gets put under a microscope now because you're in these games, you're in these series, you're just not pulling them out. Why? What's going wrong? What do you have to fix? It, it, there's a lot of questions, and asking those questions opens the door to – hours and hours of discussion that, that there's really no good answer for it just yet. It's, it's frustrating that for me, it just, there's no pinpoint answer to any of this right now.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what really has a lot of us as frustrated as we are. Um, I guess just speaking on, on behalf of the entire fan base, because like, we know what bad baseball looks like. We know what like an untalented baseball team looks like. Like we were all, we were all, we all watched white Sox like in the mid 2010s, like we know what that looks like, you know, and that's not what this team is. And that's not what this team has been. Even when Tony LaRusso was the manager, like this is a team that has the talent and they hang around in games and, you know, to a point they play down to their competition because you'll see them lose to really bad teams that, you know, that we are more talented than, and then you'll see us just battle teams that are going to be playing in the post-season. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just wild to me. Um, it, it's cre- You know, I think you kind of nailed it on the head, Jordan, where uh, Griffall's decisions are going to be under a little bit more of a microscope. You know, I, th- I think that's a little warranted. You know, I think any manager we have at this point when we're not winning baseball games deserves to be under that microscope. You know, even if it is a first year manager, we were told that this guy was brought in to be, you know, have an analytical mindset. Somebody that was going to get the most out of these players was a players guy. You know, he's a former player. I mean, that's most managers, but still, um, we were kind of sold the moon with this guy. And I still do like Pedro Grifoll. I think he has a lot of positives that he adds to the team that we didn't see in the Tony Lourdes era. But at the same time, like when we're when we're sitting where we're at right now, what seven and fifteen? I think you said Nick. Like it's it's tough go. It's a tough go right now. You know, and does one does one month define the entire season? No, but I think all of us have a little bit of fatigue of last year when Steve Stone was telling us every single week to enjoy the ride. You know what I mean? And I don't know if any of us want to just try to sit and wait because we saw how that played out last year. We need to be able to kind of take advantage of the uh, the division we have in front of us and, be, and being able to play, play it tough against teams that are playing a lot of postseason baseball like the Philadelphia Phillies and the Tampa Bay Rays will help us down the stretch when we play, you know, division rivals, you know, like Cleveland and the twins, you know, the twins don't win playoff games, but still, you know, they're tough, they're tough out in the regular season. Um, So this is something where we need to start turning these tight games into wins. And uh, we need to handle business against like teams like Pittsburgh, you know, like that, that series, I think bugs me more than any any of the rest of them because that was a series we should have either swept or won easily. And we just let get out of our hands because either we wanted to get too cute with the bullpen, use too many arms during a blowout win, or just flat out, Offense goes flat at the worst possible times, but it's never just one issue with this team. It's, it's accumulation um, on any given day. And it's, uh, it's really frustrating.
2: And it's about trends too, right? Like the bull or or the starting rotation is looking better. They they turned in a bunch of mid performances this week, but it's an improvement. The, The, the bullpen has turned in a bunch of better performances recently. I think the big one that stands out is the Lopez blown save I know fans were up in arms over what Grafal said and the fact that Lopez blew it. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, we can have the debate. There, there's not really a better option right now. Kendall Graveman, maybe. Other than that, there's not really a better option. I I, I don't think that's a worthy debate that, that Sox fans seem to want to have. Then it comes to the offensive side of things. And the, the trends, it still feels like they're trying to break old habits and they just can't do it. I, I focus on Luis Robert a lot because he's... A very, good, a, a very good example of what the problem is. You know, you, you put him in the two spot, and you continue to put him there, and I think this is a Pedro fall decision you have to break down. You continue to put him at the top of the lineup. When if you look at teams across baseball, the on-base percentage, the walk rates of their two hitters, he ranks either 29th or 30th compared to most of those guys. He hasn't... T- the Sox haven't had a two-hitter walk this year. Robert's two walks have come as a leadoff hitter. Like, you you can't have that at the top of the lineup, but you continue to put him there. And you say the 30 uh, at-bats don't define him. I agree. 30 at-bats don't define him, but you can't continue to waste those at-bats at the top of the lineup. You you can't keep continue to let this ship sink at 7-15 and keep sinking and sinking until Robert finally gets back into it. You need to give guys who have having better at-bats... Those at bats, you can look up and down this lineup. I, I we, we have multiple times, you're seeing the same problems continue over and over and over again. I think the frustrating part then becomes when do you see those trends turn? Is it later this year? Is it into next year with this coaching staff? It's like you have to ask the question now do you have to give the coaching staff the runway to break all of these bad habits? The trends aren't going positive for the offense. I think that's the most frustrating part of this now is that ground ball rate, still an issue. Walk rate, anemic, brutal, terrible. It's, there's no give or take here. Um, and I think someone like Gavin Sheets, who homered yesterday on a ball over his head, like, yeah, great, he hit a homer. Why are you swinging at that pitch? Like, it's it's... It's just the entire – it's a microcosm of the offense as a whole. Why are you swinging at a pitch like that? I don't care about the result. Why – what registered to you like this is a good pitch to hit? And as this season continues to go on, I'm going to be looking at this coaching staff and seeing, can you find changes? Can you break habits? It's not something I'm expecting them to do in three weeks, but there needs to be some progress there because the trends are what's concerning me.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I think that's one thing that's so interesting about watching a team like the Rays or even the Dodgers is their hitters up and down the lineup seem to be so good at just completely spitting on pitches that are even, you know, traveling an inch out of the zone. Not every time, of course, sometimes you make a nasty pitch, but they're just so good at identifying early. It's something that the White Sox don't seem to be as good at. And what's frustrating for me is I want to focus on more, you know, micro issues. But, like, for example, last week I talked about bunting and how that was bothering me. They didn't. As far as I'm aware, didn't do much of that last week. But even then, it's like another example. You guys know I'm not a huge Benintendi fan, and he's kind of having the season I thought he'd have so far. But the batting average is good. Everything else is not that good. But I can't even. I'm not. First of all, I want him to do well, so I'm not going to take a victory lap on that. It's also too early. But second of all, you look up and down the whole lineup, and pretty much everyone is, you know, having similar stories for, for the most part. It's just really frustrating that I can't pinpoint you know, an individual problem and say, oh, this player needs to be better or that player needs to be better because it's pretty much everyone. And when you talk about the trends, Jordan, I think that's a great um, lead into some numbers that I pulled, which are entering Sunday. The White Sox are bottom five in exit velocity, 29th in launch angle, bottom five in line drive rate, bottom six in fly ball rate, which of course those imply that they are indeed number one in ground ball rate, highest chase rate, bottom three walk rate and strike out the middle of the pack, which is, that's the annoying thing. Last year, they were pretty much the same thing, but they didn't strike out that much. This year, they're doing all the same trends, but they're also striking out more. And it's not like they're gaining that much more power as a result. So everything about the offense as a whole is turning the wrong way, as Jordan was saying. And I'm just, it, it's frustrating because the coaching staff, at least in this case, from what I understand, seems to be saying the right things. They understand the importance of hitting the ball in the air, pulling the ball, etc. But we're just not seeing it happen with these hitters and These messages take time to resonate, but I'm getting really tired of watching them just beat the ball into the ground over and over.
2: And again, I I completely agree. It's not—I don't think it's going to be something—they're saying the right things. I don't think it's going to be something that happens as a fix in the first three weeks of the season. Like, these are season-long, career-long habits that need to be broken right now for a lot of these hitters. Well, only other thing I'll add— Before someone calls me out on it or something, I'm not taking a victory lap on Luis Robert either. I'm just giving Duke crap, and I'm saying we need more (laughs) out of someone who I know can be a lot better.
0: Well, I mean, even – I guess even to jump jump on that point, Jordan, I I think we're almost doing it by necessity right now because we really don't have a great guy to put into the two-hole as it currently stands unfortunately the best guy to put into the two hole that we would have been able to put in the two hole that started the season red hot is injured currently. And that'd be Owen Mankata. Um, that's a guy who I would be very much in favor of. I think he's played some of his best baseball batting from the two hole. He's a guy who's very patient in the box as far as taking walks. And he's somebody who has enough pop to be able to justify being that spot in the, uh, that spot in the order and he's a guy that could potentially move Tim Anderson over as well. And he's not somebody who's necessarily a slouch on the base path, I guess, depending on his mood on the day, you know, (laughs) but, um, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of things that we're going to have to see moving forward. That's really, uh, really starts trending us in the right direction because currently the way we're doing things with the lineup construction, with how guys are performing, you know, with Luis Robert continuing to chase sliders and trying to make things happen out of the box, um, you know, with guys like Gavin Sheets swinging at baseballs that are just, you know, at at helmet level, you know, I mean, I know that, that home run reminded me of like a vintage Prince Fielder home run, but Gavin Sheets is not Prince Fielder. So um, I, I think somebody might need to sit him down and tell him that maybe not on his birthday, but it's just, uh, it's things we're going to need to see play out It is it is still like, I will be the guy to say that it is still a little early in the season. Um, right. it is brutal because it has been a pretty tough start to the season, especially with how the opening series went and how much, how high we were all kind of feeling after it because we competed with the rank you know, defending world series champion that happened to have our first baseman on it. So, um, it's definitely been a bit of a fall from grace, but If I can just kind of preach anything, there's a lot of peaks and valleys in a a baseball season. It's a long season. We still got a long way to go, and I don't want to try to be some Steve Stone. uh, Enjoy the ride or anything like that. But if this team can get healthy and this rotation can start to lock it down, and we can get uh, we can get this guy back to potentially kind of help out our uh, entire bullpen. and get guys in roles where we need to be and not have Ronaldo Lopez be forced in the ninth inning because he pitched a not, you know, he pitched a great eighth inning to set up our guy, Liam Hendricks. Um, Potentially we could uh, get some momentum moving forward, but don't hold your breath on that. But there's, there's a lot of ways we can go about that, but health is the key. And um, our guy, Tim, Tim Moran, who's uh, about to join the podcast actually made a really good article about uh, the health issues with the Chicago White Sox. And he actually tried to answer the question on everybody's mind are the white socks soft so without further ado i mean i know we were having a great conversation i know jordan was dancing on everybody's graves there for a second we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop that and we're gonna get to the interesting part of this episode Brittle. and that is our conversation with socks on 35th senior contributor tim moran We are now excited to be joined by Sox on 35th senior contributor Tim Moran. Tim, you just wrote this awesome article um, regarding really kind of the big question when it comes to the Chicago White Sox with injuries. Are the White Sox soft? You know, I know I saw the headline of this article when I saw it kind of go through the chat, and it's like, wow, you know, somebody really went for it. And I gave it a read, and there's a lot of good information on there. Um, but before we jump too far into that, Tim, how are you doing? Um, T- give us a little bit of info about your uh, history with Sox on 35th, maybe history being a White Sox fan, and uh, sure. just uh, let's, let, let us know who you are. What's going on, buddy?
3: Sounds good. Uh, yeah, great to be on. Uh, excited to be able to talk about that article, uh, really just anything to distract from the current form of the team. Um, but yeah, I'm Tim Moran. Uh, I've been with Sox on 35th for, I think, five or six years now. And uh, I grew up Northwest Side, but my mom was raised a Sox fan. Even though my dad's a Cubs fan, I was raised a Sox fan, thankfully. Uh, And so, yeah, here we are today. I actually live near the city now. Um, So I'm going to hopefully get to more games this summer, although I don't know how much I want to support the team. But, uh, yeah, I've been with Sox on 35th. It's been a real good five years, some ups and downs with the team. um, But it's always been great uh, working for this website and this blog.
0: And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just just sitting here in my first year with the website, like, I just – love the vibe around here and I think it's longer tenured members that really help bring everything together and uh, really appreciate the work you do on, you do on everything. Like usually whenever I see you put an article through, it's uh, something that I either put on the back burner that I'm going to eventually read or I just jump right into it and uh, really no different with this one. Um, I'll kind of let you take the, take the charge here. So how, how did you find your ways to answer this question of are the White Sox soft?
3: Yeah. So, I didn't come into it with any sort of preconceived bias or notion. Obviously, as fans, you know, the injuries to start the season were frustrating. The injuries last year were frustrating. And it certainly felt like the White Sox get injured a lot. But I knew, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how true that is, and I want to figure this out. And so it's not super easy to find Injury statistics, there's really only one site for it that I saw that had a lot of features, and that was um, Track. And they have a ton of uh, features on like contract details is the other big thing they do. And so they keep track of contracts and injuries really well. And I was able to mostly get everything I wanted from there. They have a really good big picture injury statistics. And that is just you have to do some manual work to sort of look at the individual players and, and do that math. But I came into it, and I was like, all right, let's just see... Past couple of seasons, how many games, um, how many games missed do the White Sox have uh, from players on their forty-man roster, uh, as compared to all the rest of the teams the MLB? And so it came out that in twenty twenty one, the White Sox really weren't that injured. Uh, they were like eighth or ninth least injured teams in terms of games, and uh, I think like sixth or seventh in terms of money. And so money spent on players while they were injured during those periods. And so that was the year where Grandal was injured for a bit. Luis Robert was injured for a bit. And then, you know, 2021, Eloy started the year injured. Um, But outside of those three stints, there really wasn't too much that was hampering the team. And then on top of that, by the time the season was over, you know, going into that playoff series with the Astros, they had everyone back. They had all those guys. Uh, They had their starting lineup. They had their starting rotation. So... I really didn't feel that, you know, after looking at that, this has been years and years of the White Sox being soft and getting injured all the time. Uh, It became, you know, kind of obvious that that wasn't really the case. Uh, And then 2022, though, was a bit of a different story. Um, I have the number in front of me right here for 2022. So uh, the Sox spent 1,400 cumulative days on the injured list, which is a lot. That's also a 40-man roster. And then $33 on injured players. And so that was 10th most in the majors uh, in terms of the, the financial number right there. The actual day's miss was 15th. So definitely a little bit more on the injured side, but still nothing crazy. You know, you look at that and you say, okay, well, the White Sox just kind of get injured about as much as their average team. Uh, it happened to be more of their key players. They spent a little bit more money, but still only 10th most in the majors. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? This doesn't feel like the right place for the article to end. I was like there's some element to this that that is missing here and that's we need to we need to go a little bit deeper and let's look at the actual amount of stints on the injured list because I feel that having like one injury over 50 days versus three 15 to 20 day injuries for the same player the latter there is a lot worse because you have guys bouncing back and forth between the minors and the majors that player themselves can't come back and establish a groove. It kind of almost feels like you're ruining the entire season at that point because you can't trust them to stay healthy. They don't trust themselves to stay healthy. And, you know, it just ruins, you know, the any sort of flow. Whereas you come back from one 40-game injury, you're healthy the rest of the season. You got a whole, you know, time there to, to really get going into things. And I was like, I think that's probably maybe where this element of softness comes in. You know, guys just keep getting injured for a few weeks at a time, a month at a time. And that's actually really a big detriment to the team and it turns out if you look at it from that perspective then it kind of seems like the white Sox are soft or at least injured a lot um and so uh with that part of it I, i i did some digging so compared to the rest of the al this is where the sort of manual work takes a while you know you can't pull out these magic numbers um right away but i use spot track and so just in terms of total injuries to starting lineup and starting rotation, the White Sox were third in the American League in 2022. And then I kind of just did my own estimation of how many were to keep players, and we were second behind Minnesota. And so really just in terms of total injury stints, total periods spent on the injured list, whether it's 10-day or 60-day or whatever, that's more where you get that uh, the feeling that this, the fans are feeling. And, you know, it just feels like guys are getting injured all the time. And even though maybe the total days, total money spent isn't there, uh, it certainly was the case in 2022 uh, that the White Sox had a good amount of injuries, and they happened a lot to be the key players. So uh, it was interesting. You know, you can look at it from a few different angles.
2: And I think the point you bring up there at the end, Tim, it's a good way to— I think the most impressive part of the article was you went, hey, there's three different ways that I'm going to go about this. I think that was incredibly important. And I think when you peel it all back, it's like, yeah, the first one everyone thinks of is how many times do I keep having to see you go, oh, 10-day IL here, 10-day IL mm-hmm. there, 10-day IL there. Like, that, that's, I think, the issue for a lot of fans is, man, these guys just can't stay on the field. And mm-hmm. I think that's the difference between, you know, there's one huge freak injury versus there's a bunch of small nagging ones. I think those small nagging ones are the ones that are bugging people the most –
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because it's like no one gets into a rhythm. You you don't have that consistent line about there f- for large periods of the season. I, I mm-hmm. think that's where, to your point, the frustration really sets in for fans.
3: Yeah, and uh, also you know that that doesn't include the sort of day to day, right? Because that's not tracked. That's not an injury list. if you're listed as day to day, you're sore and you miss a few days. And you know from last year that happened a few times, where you know Moncada or. Robert right you know Robert came back from these couple of these injury stints and then he wasn't on the IL but he was missing like four games at a time with that wrist and then they'd throw him in for a game and then he'd swing and he'd look terrible swinging because his wrist was clearly still hurt and so I think even if you add in you know day to day stuff um, there's also that element too that you can't quantify because you can't track that uh, on any sort of site but um, yeah you know the question of whether they're soft maybe we can talk about more or if it's just unlucky um that's a bit more of a debate but um but at least in terms of the numbers there i thought it was interesting how it broke down
1: yeah i totally agree and i do appreciate that you're taking a more data-based approach to this because i feel like if you asked the common white Sox fan to rank the team's in- injuries over the last couple of years compared to the rest of the league um, they would probably say oh definitely in the top five you know mm-hmm. and part of that is not really the fan's fault in the sense that we're white Sox fans we we Care about the white Sox most we're not necessarily looking at every other roster but it is telling that you the thing you said last year about how um you said that the twins were like the one team that are more key players injured if i remember correctly that's interesting because that's a team in our own division that you know in theory the white Sox should white Sox fans should know more about compared to other teams so that's one thing yeah. i just want to say it's great to get the data and and you know go from there but going forward i'm just curious if there was anything you found when you were researching this or just in general, even if it's not based on research, I'm just curious about your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said in your article and, and just now, it's, it's not necessarily, you can't say conclusively whether it's bad luck or if the team is soft, et cetera, but going forward, because that's obviously what's most important, do you think that this core group of players, do you think that they're just destined to be on the injured list more often than others? And I know this is kind of an impossible question, but I'm more so just trying to hear your the way you arrive at the answer and and why you you feel that way whether it's whether it's something that is correctable something that will get better over time or if it's just as simple as maybe it's not you know that the core is injury prone but that it's just a few players happen to have these nagging things and over a long period of time maybe a couple of them get traded away and and the ones who are still here you know aren't injured as much
3: yeah it is a tough question um i mean you look back at 2021 and then 2020, right, you know, there were uh, a couple injuries, but that was a pretty healthy year for the Sox as well. And, you know, 2019, you didn't have five of the six, you know, six of the starters that are on the team right now. So I it wasn't even worth it to look back that far. And so simply because of the fact that 2020 and 2021 were relatively healthy years, I don't want to – I can't say conclusively the White Sox are soft or the White Sox are – injured and they're always going to be injured Um, but what I can say is the trend is concerning the fact that last year wasn't so great and then this year it's two of the players who were injured a lot last year Moncada and Anderson right away and then also Eloy missed 10 days Um, I would say the current trend is concerning and you know it's hard with this stuff because it's not like performance you know there's no one clear sample size you need to say whether a team or a player is going to get injured a lot um, but my, my hunch is that they're just with the current trend, I think it's probably going to, it looks like it might be an issue again this season, at least enough to where it's going to be hard to turn around this start to the season. I mean, you know, I'd love to see how the team plays when you have Hendricks and Crochet and Moncada and Anderson back, but then who who might get injured in, in the time then too. So i i'm not sure whether they're soft or whether they're unlucky but i will say that um the fact that it's starting this early into the season and that last year was pretty bad in terms of this number of just total injury stints um i am concerned um but there you know you can't say for sure injuries are weird things and so uh i would be concerned as Sox fans but i don't think anyone should resign themselves you know and say oh is going to go on the aisle two more times this year, guaranteed. Because people will say stuff like that, and it's just not true. So, um, yeah, concerned, but not uh, not definitive, I guess, in either way.
0: Because um, it's hard. Yeah, no, no doubt. And um, I, I really think – I really like the way that you finish this article by saying that the true answer probably lies somewhere in the middle, where, you know, there is probably – a discussion to be made about these guys being a little soft and there's a discussion to be made about where we rank up with other teams as far as players getting injured. Um And, you know, I think, I think White Sox fans might get and you know, I get, I get the same way. I feel like we all do at some point or another, we get a little too caught up in the day to day with this team. And we don't kind of focus on what's happening with other teams around the league and how much they're being snake bitten by injuries as well. Um It's just kind of the nature of the business. You know, I mean, if you haven't been watching baseball or following baseball probably as much as, you know, the four of us in here have over the years, you probably wouldn't realize that injuries are very common. IL stints are very common. You know, even the best players in baseball, you know, you you see it all the time, whether it's a 10-day or a 15-day. Or I remember it was like the 15, 30, 60, and 90 system that they had for years. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just something that kind of happens. Um, I do think there might be something to be said about um, our training program. Of, of the team i think that's something that is on like not talked about enough personally because i feel like you could see a direct correlation to when we started becoming a little bit more injury prone and i think it has a bit to do with the new training staff that we brought in um but mm-hmm. i think i mean that's an entirely different conversation altogether but i do like that you brought up Aloy because he is one that really gets beat over the head anytime he gets even somewhat injured and yeah you know I'll, and i'll let you kind of take the run on this but like i, I especially with how Aloy has played this uh, past weekend, you know, it's no doubt how valuable he is when he's on the field. Um, But I don't know if I have a really hard time putting him necessarily in that soft category because anytime I see him get injured, it looks like something that really any player could legitimately get injured on, you know, even, even running down to first base last year, he was not the only Chicago White Sox to get injured running down first base last year. You know what I mean? It was actually starting to become kind of absurd how many guys were getting injured running down first base, um yeah. so I think he gets a really bad rap. I'm not sure how you feel about that necessarily uh, as far as Aloy, you know, because I think you look at a guy like Luis Robert, he gets injured almost nearly just as much. You know, I feel like if you look at the percentage of games they've played compared to how many they could have potentially played throughout their career, I feel like they're closer than a lot of people give credit for, but Anyway, I mean, just kind of moving out of that, though, just to be able to kind of talk to more of a positive side of things. Um, great article, by the way. Um, how are you feeling about Eloy Jimenez? I know you're a big Eloy guy. Um, he's obviously had a slower start to the year, but this past past weekend against the Rays, I think, uh, has everybody a little bit more uh, hyped up on the Eloy Jimenez train.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely a big Eloy believer, especially with this move where at the least, he's barely going to be in the outfield this season uh, instead of most in the outfield or half in the outfield like last season and prior seasons. And so I think with him, yes, the concerns over his health are warranted because of all those players we talked about. He has been on the injury list a few times. He's missed you know, a bunch of games. However, my angle is that I think people were really starting to doubt Eloy's uh, presence as a hitter. Uh, because he had a slow start and that I just can't get behind so I'm an Eloy believer uh, and I'm really you know hopeful to see him uh, be healthy this year you know he had the one injury to start the season fine but in terms of Eloy as a DH this is a really small sample size Eloy is an outfielder we know can get injured a lot but Eloy as a DH I think the jury should be out on whether he can stay healthy and I think he, he maybe can and so, you know, looking, you know, assuming he stays healthy, that's where I love and believe in Eloy. Um, last year, he was the seventh best hitter in the major leagues in the second half by uh, weighted runs created plus, which is just sort of total offensive value added. Seventh in the major leagues over an entire second half. And so, I think people need to be patient with him. These home runs, we've seen this happen usually when he hits one, he'll hit another the next day, and that's exactly what happened. And he almost hit another today, so almost three home runs in a row. So I think people need to be patient with him. They need to look at his overall offensive numbers and realize that this guy's a very good offensive player and that last year especially he really took a step forward. And so, uh, yeah, be patient with Eloy. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to have a really good couple weeks here now that we, we see his bat heating up. So, so yeah, look out for that.
2: And, I mean, I, I'm fine being patient. I've always been probably more patient than necessary. I think the biggest things for me that I'll be watching for Jimenez over the next couple weeks Currently, his chase rate is at the highest point in his career. His out-of-zone contact rate is the lowest it's ever been. So before he would chase and he'd still make contact. Now he's chasing and he's not making contact. So mm-hmm. you got to assume he's swinging at worse pitches now when he's swinging out of the zone.
0: Mm-hmm. His
2: contact rate overall, 10 percentage points lower um, than last season and among the lowest of his career. It's not It's not just an Eloy problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm not only putting this one on Eloy when it comes mm-hmm. to chase rates, contact rates. I For me is something where, you know, he hasn't been on the field. I get that, you know, I'm willing to give some runway for someone coming back from an injury, which, again, it comes back to your article. How much runway do you give these guys each time they're getting hurt? Yeah. Um, But those are sort of the things I'll be watching in terms of when do we see the UL as we saw, even second half of last year, or where does he kind of end up this
3: season? Yeah, for sure. It makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's 14 games he's played this season, right? And so we also know... Jose Abreu took an entire month every season to to stop swinging at bad pitches and to become a better hitter. And then he was mostly pretty damn good hitter the rest of the season, you know, May May looking forward. And so, uh, yeah, I think if in May those peripherals that you mentioned are still there, that's, that's concerning to me. Um, but I think it's very possible it's just him getting back in the groove uh, and, you know, trying to find that strike zone. Uh, but that's a good point. His walk rate, I will say, first two years of his career – he was walking at a 6% and then a 5.3% clip. Last season, it went up to 86 and this season, it's 9.1%. So that, if anything, is um, is one thing you can look at and be like, oh, maybe this year he'll be a little better at that. So if he can keep that up, that'd be really good because uh, an above-average walk rate for Eli would, would do uh, great things for him too. So hopefully that stays. The context stuff uh, goes back to being good. But, um, but, yeah, we'll see how those trends uh, even out, you know, potentially – So yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that stuff that you brought up, Jordan, that's stuff that's going to need to be brought, like kind of tested over time. I I, one thing I've noticed, you know, because Aloy has had to come back from the IL so many times, unfortunately, one thing I always notice when he comes back is uh, he's really trying to push the issue in the batter's box and. That just never works like that never works i mean you have to have insane plate discipline to be able to like force the issue out of the box you have to be able to take the pitches that you're given you know what i mean and it seems like every time you know besides maybe an outlier here or there it it seems like if he's coming straight off the il and didn't have like a chance to sit in triple a for like a week or something like that he's trying to push the issue he's trying to be that spark of the offense because the offense probably wasn't doing a whole lot when he was gone and um, I think once he gets a chance to settle in, that's when you start seeing him really uh, get comfortable in the box. And I think that's what we saw last year because, you know, people always talk about how how well he played in the second half last year. That first week or two that he was back was pretty brutal, like pretty brutal. He was looking rough out there and everybody started, you know, you start getting the murmurs about, oh, is Eloy Jimenez, you know, going to be the same guy moving forward, you know, because that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the narrative every single time, you know, you kind of brought that up to him. Um, but I really do think – that uh, the Rays series is a step in the right direction. Um, he is definitely chasing a little bit more than I'd like to see, but hopefully that's something that kind of starts. He starts working himself out of that. Um, he he can really work a count when he wants to. When he's patient in the box, he could start 0-2 and work it all the way to a full count and potentially even work a walk. I've seen you know we've seen him do it plenty of times. He was doing it even before he got injured this year, um, and that's definitely the best version of Aloy Jimenez because once he can start taking walks. Pitchers are going to start having to force pitches into the zone, and that's where he's just going to absolutely eat them alive. So, yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I'm not. I'm not worried about the the talent that is Aloy Jimenez. His bat plays. I think he he reminds me a lot of, and unfortunately, more injured version of Jordan Alvarez. Um, I think I think they have a lot of similar style with how good naturally they are as batters. Um, we just need to be able to see it over the course of a long season. Like if if Aloy can stay yeah. healthy moving forward, I think that's something that uh he can really, he can really benefit from. Definitely. But um, anyway, we are running a little bit short on time. Uh, Tim, do you have anything you need to plug? I know you just wrote this awesome article on soxon 35thcom called are the white Socks soft. We just discussed it. And, uh, you know, in case, in case anybody who's listening at home kind of spaced out for a minute, it's a great article. You should definitely go listen to it. But uh, Tim, where can we find you online?
3: Yeah. So definitely find me on Twitter at uh, Tim, the Moran. Uh, that's at Tim, the Moran, last name, M-O-R-A-N. And, uh, yeah, I got a couple articles, I think, a couple of recaps this week. Hopefully the White Sox can pick up a couple wins. I would love to be able to write those and have people read about a win. Um, so that's what's coming up for me soon. And, yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter. Eloy content, content about, you know, stuff we all have to talk about, the, the White Sox playing baseball games. So, uh, yeah.
2: Tim, you've come a long way since the days I was your RA way back when. So it's good to see you grow. It's good to see you putting out good content, and it's always been a pleasure uh, having you at the site, and glad to have you on this episode as well.
3: Absolutely, really appreciate it, guys.
0: You know, guys, I always love getting the Sox on Thirty Fifth contributors over on the uh, on the podcast. It was a great discussion with Tim Moran. Um, guy who obviously has been with the website for a while, always love getting an the guy on here as well. You know, I mean, I I can't deny it. Sometimes I feel like I'm kind of standing, standing on my own with something like that. But, uh, yeah, always, always love it. Always love it. It was great discussion.
2: And Tim always writes good articles too. He works hard. I've known Tim for quite a bit of time. Uh, he's a good kid, works hard, writes really well and puts a lot of good work into his stuff. So make sure to check out the article if you haven't yet.
0: And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have this week for the Sox on 35th podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you might listen. Also, be sure to check out the website at SoxOn35th.com, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoxOn35th to stay up to date with your Chicago White Sox. This has been Duke Coughlin. Joined, as always, with Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower. We will be back next week as we cover another exciting week of White Sox baseball. Thank you, and go Sox. You sure about that exciting? Go Sox.
1: Go Sox.
2: <laughs> if this is another bad week, Nick, you're going second when we do the Go socks. We got to change the mojo. Something's got to change.
1: Yeah. Sounds good.